You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! He's looking at you, kid. What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Welcome to part two of our Oscar preview podcast. We pick up with the best actor category. Uh, I realize we've skipped over best actor, so let's we did. double back. Uh, we were talking about Jean Desjardins a second ago. Now, this one, again, uh, I don't know if this is fair or not, but you know, you guys can bring the actual insight. I'll just talk about numbers. And <laughs> the numbers seem to say Clooney, slam dunk, not close. And, you know, Desjardins, if you have to pick someone else, but it's everyone seems to think Clooney's yeah, I walking think that's away with the way, this. I think that's the way it's going to line up. I think it's, uh, Clooney has won, this is his uh, seventh overall nomination already, his fourth as an actor. Yeah. He did win uh, for Syriana, playing a very un-George Clooney-like part. Uh, this is very much movie star and good actor, George Clooney, doing his thing. I think it's, and they, they didn't get to do it for uh, Up in the Air. Uh, or for Michael Clayton, where he was kind of in the movie star actor mode, and I think uh, I think this is the time. This is he's going to be best actor for The Descendants. I think it's it's great. I think it's great. I, I love George Clooney. I want to hate him because he's too damn good looking and too smart and too funny. And I think we call that the like, the Javier Bardem corollary yeah, right there. I feel like I should hate him, but yeah. he's just so self-deprecating and so good. And I just, I like the guy. I can't help it. You just described my entire history with both Justin Timberlake and Leonardo DiCaprio, where I wanted to hate them both for so long, and then they just seemed like such cool guys that I, I'm just, I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. And Clooney seems the same way. Yeah. Um, I guess really the only interesting storyline here, obviously, is Brad Pitt and Moneyball. Uh, Damien Bichir, is that it? In A Better yeah, Life? Yeah, I mean, he's the, kind of the one shot here. You know, every couple of years they have one shot. kind of seems to come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damien Bichir is a Mexican actor. Probably nobody knows unless you watch Weeds, in which mm-hmm. case he was uh, Mary Louise Parker's, uh, Nancy Botwin's uh, Mexican drug lord, mayor, slash whatever husband he became on that show. But that might be the only way that American audiences know him is from Weeds. Uh, but I mean, I saw that movie in the summer. He's very good in it. It's, uh, but it's, it's really, I don't know how he got nominated. It's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess they're casting it a little wider than they used to be. Um, but yeah. the only interesting storyline otherwise, uh, I guess, is Gary Oldman, who is finally nominated. Yeah. After... It's amazing to think that he's 53 years old and in, in, even early in his career when he was doing kind of those serious British ones, like, you know, mm-hmm. Sid and Nancy and Prick Up Yours. No nominations then. Then when he kind of moved to more mainstream Hollywood stuff, uh, no. Yeah. And after all these years, finally, and you know, he's in big blockbusters like the Harry Potter movies and the Batman movies. And yeah, finally, yeah. after all these years, and he's, you know, he's really good in that movie. I'm, I'm a little surprised that movie didn't get more attention than it did. Yeah, I'm probably it's seeing that tomorrow movie. afternoon, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, you're right, though, but you look at his career and you're thinking, this is a guy who could have, who was on his way to maybe winning a Lifetime Achievement Award without getting so much as a nomination beforehand. Right, right. And you said you mentioned Sid and Nancy, State of Grace, and JFK. JFK, yeah, goodness. JFK. Hey, how he didn't get nominated for JFK? It's. I mean, he was oh. fantastic in that. Here's how indelible he is in JFK. I read the uh, Stephen King book about the Kennedy assassination, the whole time travel book, eleven twenty two sixty three, and the mm-hmm. whole time I couldn't get <laughs> Gary Oldman out of my head. Not only that, for some reason I had him playing both the protagonist 
and Lee Harvey Oswald in my head because I always have to picture somebody when I'm reading. And he was both somehow. He was he he was Lee Harvey Oswald as Lee Harvey Oswald, and then he was like an older, bespectacled Jim Gordon version as the good guy in the book. And he just so basically, whenever I think of that book, I think of Gary Oldman for no good reason right. at all. That's how good he was. But yeah, you look at his career, and it it doesn't make sense. But here we are. Yeah, Mark, have you seen that Tinker Tale yet? No. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I you were a fan of any of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were a fan of the miniseries as I was. <laughs> I haven't seen well, Tinker Tailor or Soldier Soldier Spy. <laughs> well, well, Mark, I'm sure you saw, you know, the the Alec Guinness miniseries, the BBC miniseries back in the day, which you know was one of Guinness's best performances, TV or movie, and it's pretty indelible. But it's pretty amazing that Gary Oldman was able to inhabit that character and make it his own, despite the fact that I mean, I've seen that miniseries probably four or five times all the way through, and Guinness is just you know, fantastic. But Gary Oldman made it his own and the movie, you know, shaded it and changed it just enough. And it's, uh, he's really fantastic. It's a great, it's one of his, it's one of Oldman's best performances, which is saying something. Yeah. And he said, Oldman was saying that, uh, in an interview that he was, he was really pleased to finally get nominated or, uh, for something where he's not bouncing off the walls and screaming at people and being a psychopath. Basically he gets to play something a little more subdued, which he doesn't usually and, uh, get recognized for that. I mean, he's so great as, you know, in things like Leon and uh, Fifth Element and uh, even Dracula. But, I mean, he he can do it all. He can be these very subdued interior characters. Who, I mean, this character shows almost zero emotion except for one or two scenes. And this is not a conventional spy, so, you know, there's hardly any uh, gunplay or chases or anything like that. But it's really... Uh, really engrossing, partly, um, mostly because of Gary. I mean, it's got a great cast in it, but uh, Gary Oldman is definitely at the center of it. So I'm yeah. glad he's got a nomination, but he's got ooh, very little chance of winning. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is it for now. We'll have to do something else. Yeah. Um, I guess the two snubs I keep hearing uh, are Michael Fassbender, for shame. Boy, right. boy, boy, did that seem like award bait. Like, absolutely. Yes. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio for J. Edgar, which also seemed like Oscar bait. Right. And, and, just, and just personally, again, uh, another plug for Take Shelter, Michael Shannon, who's, you know, mm-hmm. really kind of yeah. exploded on the scene, especially uh, kind of more mainstream in Boardwalk Empire and on HBO. But he's really an amazing actor, and he was just just mesmerizing in Take Shelter, but, uh, you know, didn't make the cut. But, yeah, uh, DiCaprio and Fassbender, uh, I mean, Fassbender, like like Jessica Chastain had one of those years. I mean, he had kind of already exploded in his way in uh, Hunger and Fish Tank and even in Glorious Bastard, so people kind of knew yeah. he was. Yeah, oh, he, he, was, he was the best part of that movie, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, not only was he in Shame this year, which was kind of the award baitiest of the ones, but also A Dangerous Method, mm-hmm. uh, which didn't get as much traction. Uh, Jane Eyre, which uh, was actually very good. You know, if you think, oh, I don't need another Jane Eyre adaptation, it's a very well-done movie, and he's fantastic. Uh, he also is a young Magneto in uh, X-Men First Class. So he had one of those, and yeah. next he's going to be the uh, the Ash, you know, Bishop Android Flash <laughs> thing in uh, Prometheus, the alien yeah. people. So he's yeah. just exploding and didn't quite make the cut. And the other snub would be uh, Ryan Gosling. Yes, of course. Who yeah. not only drive, but also... Uh, Eyes of March and Crazy Stupid Love had another one of those. You know, he's been around. I think people have been aware of him now for a few years, but had one of those explosive years where he just was the guy and uh, didn't make the cut. Yeah, let's add him to the list of people I wish I could hate, but I just can't. (laughs) There's way too many of them, you know. And just kind of a, just, I mean, also from that movie Tyrannosaur, which nobody saw, uh, Peter Mullen, again, the great Scottish actor, he's fantastic in that. He usually is. Peter Mullen, if you don't Mm -hmm. know him, I mean, maybe people know him. Children of Men, I really love him. Yeah, Children of Men, that little, that, (laughs) Little odd character you've got, he, but he's—I mean—he's been acting since the '80s. He's really fantastic. 
Um, and just another personal one, even though he had no realistic chance, was uh, Brendan Gleeson in The Guard, which is a really strange little dark comedy. And Gleeson is has you know, he's another one of those who's always whether he's on the screen for two minutes or he's the main character, he's just always fantastic. It, yeah. Well, you've single-handedly convinced me to to check out Tyrannosaur, so congratulations there. <laughs> well, it's a very dark, you know, it's 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 not a happy movie. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I ha- I have one thing I can actually say that is a hearsay about the best actor category. Yeah. Uh, so Ooh, I uh, love the, rumors. The, yeah, the rumor is <laughs> that uh, Damien Mashir was nominated because they, A Better Life was maybe the first screener sent out to the Academy. Oh, yeah. so everyone saw it. Theoret- well, theoretically, they they would have had no. They, they couldn't have said, "Hey, I got all these seniors piled up. I don't know which one to put on." Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, but you know, by that same logic, it could have been at the very bottom of the pile. So who knows? Because right. I don't think it made any money. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> But they were very proud of the performance, and hey, right. whatever whatever happened, I, I guess wine uh, wine scene didn't have anything to do with that movie, did he? No, no, and whoever whoever had something to do with it, I'm sure people are calling him right now, saying, "How did you do that?" Yeah. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is a great example of what I feel like is probably the central dilemma for us as movie fans rather than like movie creators is that um, you, on one hand, again, you want posterity, you want this to be recognized, you feel like that's it's justice has been served when the right people are chosen. On the other hand, uh, nobody is going to see Moneyball if Brad Pitt wins, who hasn't already seen it. Uh, on right. the, but if Damien Bashir wins, people are going to rent a better life. It's going to be on Netflix. Thousands of people are going to see it who didn't otherwise. Is there any temptation to maybe say, you know what, I don't really care if it's necessarily the, the best choice. I'm still gl- if it can't be the best choice, I'd rather it be the one nobody's heard of so that they can be exposed to it. Well, a movie that's that small and, a, and an actor who's that unknown to the mainstream, I mean, just the nomination. I mean, I'm sure the Google hits of Damien Bashir mm-hmm. that Tuesday morning went way up. Everyone said, who? Yeah. So, I mean, just the nomination has gotten him the push he's going to get. And... Um, that they that get a nomination. I mean, people in Hollywood might cast him now. Directors mm-hmm. who maybe didn't didn't see we don't know his Mexican work, maybe saw this screener or saw them because of the nomination saw the screener, and uh, will say, oh yeah, he'd be perfect for my next project. So that's I think that's how that works. I think that's he's gotten everything he's going to get from it. He got already. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be temptation to uh, do a true surprise and have Damien Bashir win. No. Uh, anything to say about Brad Pitt? I thought, well, the, the joke I made in my review was that his transformation into Robert Redford is nearly complete. Uh, he, he looks like almost exactly like him now. Um, I guess that would make George Clooney Paul Newman. I don't know. Uh, but, um, you know, good performance, good actor. Would love to hate him. Still can't. Although he's a little easier to hate than Ryan Gosling, I guess. Uh, right. Yeah, he's like not, Clooney, not another one. Right, yeah. He's another one like Clooney I'd love to hate, but he's just too damn cool and too damn self-deprecating. I can't help it. Uh, this is his third nomination to get nominated for uh, 12 Monkeys and Curious Case of Benjamin Button. You know, he's got no chance of winning. It's not much of a performance in the grand, you know, Raging Bull kind <laughs> of sense. Right. But, uh, you know, it's a nice movie star turn. I'm glad. I, I don't, I would have liked to see that spot taken by, you know, one of the other names we mentioned. But as far as um, him finally getting some kind of credibility of not just the good looking hunk, but starting to get true respect as an actor from his peers and the critics and stuff, I think it's great. Uh, I kind of wish the movie, I, I like the movie, but I wish the movie yeah. would have been a more important special movie and a greater performance. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. I think he got credit for a Tree of Life also. You think so? Yes, and he's that another one of those, right. They had a, a second big film this year that, uh, yeah, they didn't nominate him for Tree of Life, but they did nominate him for Moneyball. 
Yeah, and the, you make an interesting point, which is that uh, it's not a bombastic performance. It's not the kind of performance that's easy to get nominated for because it's subtle. No. And I, I mentioned this in the re- my review too, but um, my grandfather's a baseball scout. And I can tell you that in terms of subtle performances, he got that part down. There's a swagger, there's a walk, there's a sort of attitude that they have uh, just by being baseball scouts that he definitely nailed. And I don't know if a lot of people are going to see that or not, but I thought it was... I remember watching it and thinking, this feels really strangely familiar. (laughs) Well, I think the thing that that, uh, people who haven't seen Moneyball maybe who think, oh, it's about baseball, and worse, it's about baseball statistics. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, Brad Pitt's character and his daughter, I mean, all that, it's really the emotional turn of that cocky, sure thing into the thing that didn't pan out in that system and wanting to change the system because he knows firsthand what that system does is really emotional, whether you like or know baseball at all. Yeah, it's a character story, and for anyone listening, it's about change and the difficulty yeah. of change, and uh, it's 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 applicable to all sorts of things. And it, yeah, it's not a stats movie, it's not a baseball movie. It does it does unfortunately have a montage, uh, <laughs> which you know is is unfortunate. But I don't know if you can really even make Rocky a had a montage. Even Rocky, yeah, I didn't I, I didn't want to be the one to sing it, so thank you. Yeah, you, you kind of have to have it. Unfortunately, they use it to skim over all the advanced metrics. Uh, I yes. I imagine it probably would have been a worse movie. If it right. if it hadn't done that, but uh, just as a but it would have pleased us, sabermetricians would have liked it. But exactly, we, ha- we have that in common. But I acknowledge it was probably necessary. <laughs> uh, okay, so best actor. That I think that was pretty thorough there. Um, yes, uh, best supporting actor. Um, first of all, I'm just going to start by saying I think Max von Sydow and Christopher Plummer are the same person. I don't know if they always were. I think one of them probably died a few years ago, and the other is just playing both their roles. No? Nothing? Okay. Just, I don't know if that story will hold water. No? Okay. Well, I'm, look, I've never seen him together. Or but I guess, I, I guess we will in about a month. So we'll know. I if, think if somebody's knocking on your door now with the uh, <laughs> butterfly net and a straight jacket. But okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, this is, I think of the of the four acting categories, this is the one that is... This is Christopher Plummer's uh, unless, you know, lightning strikes some somebody important. This yeah. is, I mean, this is Christopher Plummer's to lose. I haven't seen The Beginners. Is it just that good a performance, or you saying you don't really it's, care for the it's others. It's really, I mean, it's, I think it's one of those, you know, kind of career achievement things. Uh, this is mm-hmm. only his second Oscar nomination. His other one just came a couple of years ago. Wow. And as Leah Tolstoy in uh, The Last Station. But, you know, from The Sound and Music and The Man Who Would Be King. And then, you know, in the late 70s and early 80s, he started playing almost exclusively really slimy villains. <laughs> Mm, yeah. <laughs> so it's been nice as he's aged to find like a partner, yeah. complete actor he he was. And this, if you notice, if you haven't seen Beginners, it's uh, it's a really charming movie. Ewan McGregor's great. The dog is great. Uh, the dog is. By the way, as someone who hasn't seen Beginners, all I hear is the dog. The dog is great, and I'm just thinking the dog and artist and uh, and the Beginners is. Uh, Good year for dogs. Yeah. Yes, great year for dogs. Great year for dogs. Uh, Jonah Hill, another one of the fun nominations. Just, <clears> hey, look how cool we are. Hey, we're willing to nominate offbeat people. Because I, I thought, guess, I, mean, I, I like him. I done it a different year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't have a Jonah Hill bias. I mean, I think he's fine. I mean, I like Superbad and things. And I think actually Cyrus was probably his best performance yet, mm. which kind of took his, uh, his wacky persona and kind of grounded it in some really dark, real things. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's fine in Moneyball. Uh, he's not great. It's yeah, like that's... Fred Pitt's role. There's nothing kind of to it in the sense of, you know, thespian-wise, there's not a lot yeah. to it. It's very subtle. I mean, it's very get, nice and I, funny. I get the Brad Pitt nomination, but look, I, this is someone who likes Jonah Hill. I like Moneyball, and I, and I don't get it. I don't get why yeah. he's here. I really don't. Well, especially in the year. I mean, this was the category. I mean, this category is usually overflowing with snubs. I mean, We know Albert who should Brooks. be there instead, right? Yeah, that's Albert what I was going to say. 
Patton Oswalt, and a whole bunch of people. I mean, it was just why this year, why this performance was kind of the question for Jonah Hill. Not and, and there are people who just don't like Jonah Hill. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to do a con- the rage. we'll have to do a controlled experiment and put Albert Brooks in something horrendous and see if you like him anyway, because I'm pretty sure you would. But in this case, he actually seems to have deserved it. Yes, yes, yeah. And he certainly had all the momentum and it won a lot of the critics' prizes. And just, I mean, I think it was really surprising that Albert Brooks didn't get nominated. Even though, other than one uh, technical category, Drive got ignored in general. I think everyone thought, yeah. okay, it's a long shot that Gosling will get in. It's a long shot that will get picture. But Brooks is a given, and it just right. didn't happen. Well, and maybe everyone who filled out the ballot thought everybody else was going to fill in with Albert Brooks, and they didn't have to. Yeah, some kind of weird Nash equilibrium game theory problem here that keeps the obvious choice from ending up in there. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm the kind of person who, I don't have as much of a sense of posterity as I probably should, so I tend to like the, the goofy choices, the fun choices. You know, just, I like to have, I like to see a few every time. So I have every reason in the world to love Jonah Hill being involved, and he's just, what are you going to yeah. do? Uh, so there's also uh, Kenneth Branagh, who, uh, this is his first nomination, I think it's 15 years, uh, when he won for his uh, albino adaptation of Hamlet, I think it was. And I guess he's moving more towards directing as the years go on, isn't he? Yeah, well, I mean, he started, I mean, the the fun thing about Kenneth Branagh here is he's, he's, he's playing Laurence Olivier in that My Week with Marilyn. If you don't know what the movie's about, it's about Marilyn going to, to England to make The Prince and the Showgirl, the movie that she started with Laurence Olivier. So Branagh plays Laurence Olivier, and of course, Branagh has been compared to Olivier from day one. He's kind Perfect, of, I mean, yeah. he's courted it and fought it. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. I mean, he, he broke onto the scene kind of international like cinema with Henry V, which he got nominated for uh, actor and director. And director, yeah, way back which Olivier had done and his Hamlet and Olivier won Best Actor for Hamlet. I mean, he's kind of had this Olivier thing forever. <laughs> this so is that stupidly he's obvious. Playing, yeah. He's now actually playing Olivier. <laughs> it's kind of appropriate. It's pretty freaking meta. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah. So he hadn't uh, had any in a while. And again, I, I don't know. Do you think he's going to keep? I mean, I know he's still acting, but he's acting at a lesser rate than he used to be. He seems more interested in directing. He's heck, he's a blockbuster director now with Thor, which right. still blows my mind that he directed I think that movie. He's always been more interested in being a filmmaker than an actor, yeah. uh, so I, that's, I, I don't think that's unusual. I think that's always yeah. the course he wanted his uh, career to take. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me. Plus, when he didn't get nominated for Wild Wild West, he probably figured it was never going to happen, <laughs> and he just might as well move on. All downhill yeah. from there. So there's also let me see here. We also the only one we haven't talked about yet is Nick Nolte, and I guess there's not a whole lot to say there either. I mean, I, mean, I, like, I honestly didn't see the movie. I think like most people, I didn't see. Yeah, Warrior. I didn't either. I'm not interested in mixed martial arts in general, and I'm sure yeah. you know the story about the brothers and everything is fine, and the alcoholic father. I just yeah. didn't see it. Maybe we can talk about Nolte in general, but I I just think it's interesting that the Academy seems to like Nick Nolte. I mean, he's kind of <laughs> infamous now that horrible mugshot, and yeah. kind of has a reputation of being kind of you know surly and a jerk and weird and an alcoholic or whatever, and the Academy likes him. Yeah, his fellow like a... actors like him. They like his work. They like him, despite maybe, and maybe this is a way of summing their nose at kind of the perception of Nick Nolte as that mugshot. So it was, you know, whatever you guys think of Nick Nolte, he's a good actor and we like him. Yeah. So uh, he's got no chance of winning. This is his third nomination, but I think it just shows how well liked Nick Nolte is by the by his fellow actors. This is going to sound like a stupid question, but how old is Nick Nolte? Isn't he? In his, he's got to be about 60 now, doesn't he? Uh, you'd be shocked. He's seventy. Nick Nolte is seventy years old. Yes, he is. Well, I guess and he's Plummer, been around these many friends. Plummer and Max Lucas. Trying to go back to your conspiracy theory, are both eighty-two years old. Exactly eighty-two. Oh, I see. Uh, interesting. Interesting. So maybe they're not the same person. Maybe they're twins. There maybe. Separated at birth. That could be... One went to, yeah. Look, I, I want to see the birth certificate. Well, although most people don't uh, think uh, a lot about Max von Cito, except for, hey, he was uh, the exorcist. Right, yeah. Right. They, 
And, uh, and now people, like, I don't know about you, but people who see The Exorcist say to themselves, how could Max von Sydow still be alive? Wasn't he 80 he, in The Exorcist? He looks the same age, doesn't he? He hasn't aged right. today. And, uh, but see, you were talking about uh, Christopher Palmer getting it for Lifetime Achievement, and I believe you. But I, if, I think Max von Sydow deserves something for Lifetime Achievement. He, he didn't sure. get one, did he? No, he's never won. He's, his only other nomination was for uh, Pele the Conqueror back in the oh. 80s. That was a great performance. It was. It, was um, it happened to be the same year as Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man, so he was kind of screwed, luck of the draw that time. But it was a great performance. He never got nominated for any of the uh, Bergman stuff. I mean, Rain Man, I think he made 12 or 13 movies with Bergman, but obviously those don't get a lot of traction for uh, act for Oscar awards. Uh, but, you know, he played Jesus in the greatest story ever told back in the 60s in The Exorcist, Three Days of the Condor. Then he did, like, Ming and the Merciless, you know, Ming the Merciless and Flash, the Gordon, Flash Gordon. Yeah. And uh, he's just had an amazing career. He's a great actor. He's very well respected. Part of the thing I think that Plummer has the edge is Plummer uh, gets to play more complete, interesting character. Also, I don't know if you, you guys probably haven't seen Extreme Loud and Incredibly Close, so let me save you the no. trouble. Don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so, but Mark so... character is mute. So he's oh. got that strike against him. It's kind of a, a not very good movie. He's definitely one of the highlights of it. Uh, but he plays a mute. He doesn't get doesn't say one word. I mean, John Darjardin in The Artist has more dialogue, spoken dialogue, <laughs> than Mark Fido in It's just, it, it's true. Well, that can help. Oh, I can think it? of at least two mutes that won Best Act. Oh, no, I'm not saying it, but I'm saying... All things I don't if, think he has a Plummer, chance. Right? If he and Plummer and Von Sydow are kind of getting the same sentiment, and Plummer's is a very energetic and charming performance, and Von Sydow's is a mute in the mm. dumb movie that shouldn't have been nominated in the first place. I yeah, think and apparently Plummer, Plummer has, a, you know, which is the side of anything else you say about, his character has all kinds of complexities and juicy yeah. things going on. You know, just add more reasons, I guess. So, uh, and you get to see, I mean, you get to see a lot of, you get to experience a lot of joy through the character and also, I mean, he's got a, the whole gamut. Whereas Von Sydow, as interesting as an actor he is always, and even, you know, not speaking a word, it's relatively one note compared to what Christopher Plummer does. I, I still would love to see him win a, a Lifetime Achievement Award, though, oh, before I think he, he takes sure. off. Like like Peter O'Toole did a couple of years ago. I mean, I think he's he's due for one for sure. I mean, he's had an amazing career anyway. He slices. it. I just don't think he's going to win the competitive Oscar this year. I just think it's hysterical that a guy with a legendary voice is playing a mute. I mean, you might as well have James <laughs> Earl Jones play a mute. Yeah. That's such a, such is the thing. And the only other snub yeah. I'd mention besides Albert Brooks and Patton Oswalt, uh, who, again, I mean, not many people saw a young adult, and people know Patton Oswalt as a comedian. And he's a, he's a smart fella. Yeah, and if you read his book or if you saw a big fan or in this movie, he's a, a very good actor. He's Ooh. a very good actor. I have to he's jump in because you mentioned a film I've actually seen for once. Oh, my God, big yeah. fan, yes. Hang on, hang on. i got to milk this for all it's worth. <laughs> but besides yeah. them, the other one I'd mention also from Martha, Marcy May Marlene, even though he's, he got nominated a couple years ago for a winter, a winter movie, uh, John Hawks, who just continues oh, right. to impress. I mean, he plays a magnetic uh, kind of Jim Jones meets uh, Hugh Hefner, backwoods <laughs> yeah. cult leader and he's fantastic I and mean, he's got kind of that charming thing that he has and roles like you know on deadwood some of his work and me and you and everyone we know but also that sinister edge from uh from the other movies he's done where he plays bad guys and he's it's really fantastic that movie just kind of got lost in the shuffle i'm gonna get it wrong marcy martha may marlene i'm just gonna call it quad right. m if you don't mind um, sure quad, that was quad m. That was completely shut out, and I remember hearing uh, yeah. before it came out that there be there was a little buzz like, oh, this might be an right. obvious. Uh, I think uh, it just peaked early, and uh, who knows, just didn't make it. 
Yeah, does that actually make a difference? I know people talk about, oh, it didn't come out in award season, quote-unquote. Does that does that actually... I mean, I know we're saying, obviously, these things turn uh, on very superficial things. We're speculating about whether or not something was nominated in part right. because it was the first screener sent out. To, to someone who maybe doesn't follow this stuff as much, that probably sounds a little ridiculous, but I guess it, it could be. It, it doesn't make a difference unless it does, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant analysis <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's why I make the big bucks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving on, uh, best original screenplay. It always seems like this is one of the tougher categories to predict, or at least it is this year. Now I'm looking at it now, and it seems like it could. I mean, again, going back to Vegas odds, it really is in terms of odds makers almost a complete toss up between The Artist and Midnight in Paris. Yeah, I, I mean, this award goes all kinds of ways historically. Yeah, it's a little crazier uh, than the other categories. Sometimes isn't it? it seems to kind of just go with, oh, I'm voting for that for picture, so I better make that best screenplay. It does tend to get that in some years, it seems, and other times they really go against the grain and give it to maybe that movie they're not voting for for picture, but I'll give it screenplay instead. Mm -hmm. um, Consolation. So you yeah. never can tell. But you think... But they're, they're also usually good about nominating some some things that are surprising. Like this year they had A Separation, the Iranian movie, mm -hmm. and uh, Bridesmaids, and Margin Call, which hardly anybody saw. So, I mean, they don't always go with kind of those standard boilerplate, oh, these are getting the big nominations from director and actor, so it must be screenplay. The, the, for each branch of the Academy does the nominating. So the, the screenwriters nominate the screenplays, mm -hmm. and they do a pretty good job of generally mixing it up and not just going with those ones maybe everyone expects. They will yeah. throw in some wrinkles just because they think it's well-written. Yeah, right, right, right. Whether or not it's a good movie is kind of another uh, thing. They're more interested in the writing itself. Well, whether they're popular or whether they have traction, yeah. they just know that if I wish I had written that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they see a separation Every, like, boy, yeah. I, wish, I wish Hollywood would let me make a movie like a separation. Yeah. Well, they're not going to, but I yeah. can at least give it a nomination for Best yeah. Screenplay and signal to Hollywood this yeah. is what we should be doing. And anyone who's ever written anything knows that that's the most powerful form of admiration is <laughs> I wish I'd written that, I feel stupid for not thinking right. of it, etc. Right. Uh, I want right. to come back to the separa uh, separation when we get to foreign film. But, um, okay, so we mentioned Woody Allen, you know, maybe, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, they might do it as a sort of a consolation. They might say, no, 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 we got to go with the Best Picture winner. Uh, J.C. Chander, Shandor, I don't know. Uh, for Margin Call, you mentioned not a lot of people saw it. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not even going to try. Uh, I'm amazed I was able to <laughs> pronounce jc correctly um now you mentioned that not a lot of people saw it i think did it even get a theatrical release i know a lot of people saw it on demand yeah i think mostly demand i know it played here at the afi theater so i, I it played it played a couple art it did not get wide distribution even in the art house sense but it did play a couple places mm -hmm. it did play a short brief window but yeah i think more, more people saw it on demand than anywhere if they thought at all. Yeah, and fun nomination number four, uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamulo, I guess it is, yeah. uh, for Bridesmaids. Uh, again, no chance of winning, just fun to have them there. And uh, hey, everybody likes Kristen Wiig, or at least they should. Right, if they're going to go for comedy in this category, they'll go for Woody Allen's brand of comedy. They won't go for that broad comedy, although I think it's great that they got a nomination. They won't good, go for know. the, you know, what I call funny comedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know, you can make I'm that distinction but... if you must. Although Hemingway and Dolly in the, in the Woody Allen movie are friggin' hysterical. I, you gotta see it. I will, I will. Okay. That's two Rhinoceros. So you're, wait, is that a joke I'll get <laughs> after I've seen the film, I assume? Yes. Okay, yeah, fair Rhinoceros. Let me... Rhinoceros. I'll yeah, write the, that the down. The meeting he has with the surrealists is, is uh, worth the price of the rental alone. Fair enough. <laughs> 
now, best adapted screenplay, a little less crazy, I would say. Uh, we have the, uh, I guess this has to be The Descendants, right? I don't see anything really jumping out. There's, oh, there's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. There's The Ides of March, where Clooney has a nomination as a writer. Yeah. Uh, John Logan in Hugo, who's the only one of the nominees who wrote it by himself. I don't know if that is supposed to be right. more impressive. And then several different people, one of them being Aaron Sorkin for Moneyball. Uh, this right. doesn't feel complicated to me. Yeah, and I think, I believe, uh, I didn't look it up this year, but I looked it up last year. I think Return of the King is the only time a screenplay is won with three or more credited screenwriters. Okay, But wow. that could be changing just because of the nature of the business, and there's a lot of, I mean, if you've heard some of the horror stories about the, the Writers Guild and arbitration on these things, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, and, and you said three or more. Three of the nominees, if you count the story by credit for Moneyball, three right, of the nominees right. fit that qualification. Right. That's a big deal, including yeah, the, including the a, favorite. It's, it's kind of a scandal among the writers that you know that this goes on, and it's just it's uh, infuriating to no end to them. But uh, you know the academy doesn't care. You mean infuriating think, that they have to hand out so many statues when one or two of them probably did most of the work? Well, what? there's no better way to arbitrate than the way the the current system. I mean, I they're just here horror story after horror story of people who did you know one original draft that they keep getting credit. There's it's mm-hmm. actually uh, Thomas Lennon from uh, Reno 911. Mm-hmm. His partner, uh, Ben, uh, whatever, uh, also from Reno 911. They had a great screenwriting book that came out last year uh, called How to Write uh, Movies for Fun and Profit, and fun is crossed out. How to Write Movies <laughs> for Profit. And they go through some of their horror stories. And anyone who's even remotely interested in kind of the business side of Hollywood and behind the scenes and screenwriting specifically, it's a great read because they're just funny guys. And they're very honest. You know, they've they're writers for hire. They're kind of guns. In addition to kind of you know being known for Night of the Museum and uh, Reno 911, they're kind of guns for hire these days. They come in on these projects where you hear there have been 25 writers on it. There are two of them, and yeah. so they go through the experience, and you kind of see the chaos of that system and why the arbitration process is so screwed up. But it is kind of screwed up. Do you see that affecting the vote at all? I mean, do you see someone thinking that and seeing, hey, John Logan, clear cut? No. no. You know, maybe among screenwriters, mm-hmm. but I think quality tends to out in these kinds of things. I would rather hope than so. make a statement. In, in an award show, one would hope. Yeah, statement, yeah. uh, you'd, you'd hope they'd get what the one they thought was the best written when it comes right down to it. And that's probably um, The Descendants, I guess. And even though The Descendants has uh, three credited screenwriters, I think it's probably going to win. It's, it's got to be the favorite. You know, you know, it's one of those categories where surprises do happen, but I I think uh, it's probably the favorite and will probably win. Yeah, I, I can't really comment too much until I've seen The Descendants, which, you know, I will because the Oscar nominations always give me a kick in the butt to see all the films I, I've been putting off. Uh, but just, again, speaking about Moneyball, when you look at the degree of difficulty on a book like that, I have to, oh, agree, sure. you know what I mean? I feel like that, sure. maybe that's just why it got nominated in the first place and certainly not why it should or could win. Right. But, but I mean, you can't believe that's a movie now. Right. Like we talked about, if you if you <laughs> a book about basically statistics in the business of baseball that was turned into an engaging character study is yeah. amazing, is an yeah. amazing job of writing. And that's why it's nominated. I think the screenwriters, even if the general public, even if, you know, the acting branch doesn't recognize it, certainly the screenwriters know that was a heck of a trick. That's a degree of difficulty uh, nomination. Although right. you could say that a lot of that, a lot of the things that were most humanizing about it were things that Michael Lewis did himself in the book, which, oh, sure. I'm not, which I'm by not the way, saying, I recommend to anybody. No, no, no. I'm not saying the book is, is nothing but stats. But sure, I mean, sure, of course. Certainly the focus of it and uh, the thrust of it is a lot of that stuff. And a bad adaptation could have been made, which was not as human as, as the final product turned out to be. Yeah, and I'm still curious about what Soderbergh would have done with it. I don't, I'm, I've kind of wondered. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I th- he was going to have what they said, Bill James doing voiceover, something like right. that. Uh, that would have been pretty yeah. daring, to say the least. But 
That sounds more like one of his uh, one of his little art house forays that he does, yeah. rather than one of his award winning forays. It right. would have been a little different. Right. Um, obviously, in terms of snubs, we've been mentioning Drive this entire podcast. Uh, but one film we haven't mentioned, Fifty Fifty, which a lot of people thought might even sneak into Best Picture, from what I recall. Did you see that one, Mark? Did you see that one on video yet? No. Yeah, it's, it's on one... video. I'll check it out. It is. It's it's available now. It's uh, you know, it's one of those I think that was getting a lot of nominations. As far as screenwriting, not it's it's not this not a well-made movie. It is a well-written movie, but I think a lot of it was that this is a semi-fictionalized version of the writer's own story, personal story of dealing with his cancer. I think mm-hmm. that kind of element, you uh, know, that kind of thing can't help but creep into it. I, see. I think this time they just thought, you know, I know it's your personal story, but it's not one of the best five this year. I don't have to tell you. It's great. I'm yeah. glad it got made and glad it's a good movie, but it's not one of the best five, even though it's a basically true story. I mean, I kind of wonder, I think about that whenever I see any movie that's uh, about a powerful subject. You know, sometimes it's obvious that it's not that great. Like you say, extremely loud and incredibly close. But uh, my, my first temptation, and this might be completely unfair of me, is to think, okay, well, the subject matter is very potent, but how much of this, how much of what I'm feeling is the writing? And how much of it is just the subject matter and the fact mm-hmm. that you lived through it? But is it really great writing if most of what's so powerful about it was provided to you by reality? I know right. that sounds a little cynical. Well, I mean, that's part of the, you know, I think the trick of uh, of art is, you know, how much, you know, it's just part of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is. But, I mean, it's interesting to wonder because, again, we this this whole process is kind of opaque to us. And it's hard to know whether or not someone would, you know, penalize it for something like that or not. Yeah. Or penalize Moneyball for that matter because it's I don't think like he, I don't think he's being penalized. I think maybe he was, maybe... In some of the other award shows and other things, he was getting maybe extra credit points for it being a true story. And this time, they just simply didn't give him the extra credit. Uh, moving on to best cinematography, I am a luddite when it comes to this sort of thing. I know, I know, I like movie, movie pretty. Uh, you know, I can, I can appreciate it at the extremes. You know, I, if I see, you know, the assassination of uh, Jesse James by the car, uh, Robert Ford, I, I know that's beautifully shot. But anything kind of less than stellar, I don't know if I've seen something beautiful or not. Um, the nominees this time are uh, Hugo, The Artist, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which again had no lighting, uh, The Tree of Life, and War Horse. You guys are the cinematography buffs. What, what do you think about this category? Well, I have to uh, embarrass myself again and say I've only seen one. Which one was that? Uh, the Tree of Life, but I could easily see that winning without any problem whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, uh, this one isn't tied to the other categories quite as much, I don't think, is it? No. Like, it's not like and, because uh, the artist is the favorite elsewhere, it's not necessarily going to help it here at all. J- just cinematographers vote on it, I assume? No, they, well, they nominate. Well, I, the nominations, yeah. Okay, yeah, right, the, right, nom- right. the nominations are cinematographers, yeah. Right, okay. But, yeah, Emmanuel Lebowski has been uh, cranking out all kinds of awesome cinematography. I don't know. I can't remember. Holden probably knows if he's won yet or how many times. But uh, just on the pure visual, I, I know a lot of people seem to hate the movie uh, as far as it not having a story or being too long or having no you know connection or anything. But on just pure visual imagery, it's spectacular. It's one of those where any still frame of the Tree of Life, no matter where you stop it, is like a beautiful, the most beautiful photograph or painting you've ever seen. That's Malik's signature. I mean, no matter what cinematography he works with, and he, he did work with Lubyansky before with uh, uh, The New World, which was his only other nomination. You know, he always, I mean, it should just be a given. Anytime that Malik or Fincher have a movie, those are two of those, <laughs> one or two of the, I mean, if they've got a movie and they both have a movie that year, Malik and Fincher 
their movies are going to get nominated because they make the most visually stunning movies. You can say Dragon Tattoo has no lighting, but I mean, <laughs> uh, cinematography is well, it has, not just it's, it's not just yeah. well lit. It's, of it's course, had to play with the light. And uh, yeah. Fincher, when he works with his DPs, makes magnificent looking movies. Even yeah. if you don't like them, even if you don't like the characters, they are stunning to look at. Malick, yeah. even more so. Oh yeah, no. If anything, I, I yeah, I'm definitely speaking in jest because if anything it's, it seems more impressive to me that you'd be able to see and understand and appreciate the way something looks with less lighting rather than more yeah okay so sounds like well i mean i don't know if there's a favorite for this i'm not sure if i don't think i don't know if vegas even takes bets on best cinematography because if you're betting on that you probably have a gambling problem um i think they do yeah i think it yeah i think they take bets on anything um everything i think, I think it'll probably be it probably will be tree of life I and mean, it's that stunning um Malik's movies always are they're not gonna vote for him for director or picture mm-hmm. uh but uh, this is the way to say boy you do some amazing work sir as well as you know your cinematographer uh, this is a good way to recognize him yeah right another next one i wanted to move on to if there's no objection at least uh is best animated film um not a whole lot to say here i guess but there's there's actually a little more talk around this category than there are most years usually you got a pixar nominee and it's probably going to win uh but this year cars 2 did not uh, Garner nomination, which it's not the first time Pixar hasn't been nominated, but it's the first time they've been nomi- haven't been nominated uh, when they actually put out a film. When they had a feature, right? Right, when they actually had well, one. Well, they for did once. get a nomination for a short animated short. They did get a nomination, but yeah, yeah. they did not get a, a nomination for the feature this time. Yeah, La Luna, which I'm hearing incredible things about, by the way. Yeah. So obviously, uh, it's not hard to figure out what happened. People are saying Cars wasn't that good. Why'd you make a sequel? It's even worse. Um, uh, just running through the nominees real quick. It's a uh, Cat in Paris, uh, Chico and Rita, Kung Fu Panda Two, uh, Puss in Boots, and Rango. Um, I've only seen a few of these, but uh, I'm gonna throw in my lot with Rango. Uh, I thought it was a gutsy, weird movie that took a lot of chances and really isn't much of a kids' movie. It's borderline PG-13 if you've seen it, um, yeah. and I kind of like to reward that sort of strangeness. Yeah, of those three, you know, mainstream Hollywood ones of uh, Rango and the Kitty Cat movie and. Uh... And the panda movie, and the fluffy panda, the panda movie. movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Rango is certainly the most interesting and yeah. unusual, for sure. Yeah. Um, Which is not to disparage Kung Fu Panda, because I feel like it gets a bad rap. No, I mean, they're, they're Kung Fu Panda movies are a lot of fun. There's yeah. no other way to slice that. They're mm-hmm. immensely fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how this one's going to go. I'd kind of, Miyazaki won one the second year. I'd kind of love to see a Cat in Paris win, just to see, buck the trend of it being the, you know, one of the big Hollywood ones. Yeah. I haven't seen Cat in Paris yet, but just, you know, just kind of on principle. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, we talked before about posterity versus exposure. And uh, I guess maybe in the the smaller categories, the less prestigious ones, you probably care a little bit less about the posterity of best animated film and a little more about exposing people. I mean, that category is relatively new and, you know, it has the uh, the stain of being, you know, children's film, theoretically, on it anyway. So, um yeah, I liked them. To, I, I loved it. They had a couple in here that are unusual, that are foreign, that are adult. Uh, Chico and Rito is is not for children. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's an adult. It's a movie for adults. It's got sex and all kinds of stuff in it. And uh, I I love that they nominated one of those. I don't think there's a prayer it's going to win, but mm-hmm. I'd love to see more of the. There's you know some great stuff going on in the world of animation. It's yeah. not Miyazaki and it's not Pixar and. Mm-hmm. DreamWorks, and I just I I think it's great that they're starting to at least nominate them. So even when Pixar puts out something exceptional like Finding Nemo, you'd still say you always want the triplets of Belleville to win, just because? No, not necessarily. No, I mean, yeah. I mean Pixar does some fantastic stuff. But when it was one of the lesser Pixar movies, or when it was one of the you know Shrek movies, yes, mm-hmm. I'd much rather. <laughs> like I wish The Illusionist had been released this year instead of uh, uh, yeah. a couple years ago, because I mean maybe it could actually take it this year, and that's just such an amazing 
looking movie. It's such an amazing emotional movie uh, in a way that anything that's not the best Pixar movie is not. Are, are either of you at all surprised that The Adventures of Tintin was nominated? That seems to be the only snub people have in mind. No, I mean, uh, I've I talked a lot about it on the board. I, I just didn't like the movie. I mean, mm. I was familiar with the character. I read the books when I was a teenager. When I got into comic books and graphic novels, I discovered Tintin. So I, had, I knew the character. I knew the stories. And I thought the movie was dull. Very bad storytelling, which from Spielberg mm. is shocking. I mean, it should have been... Well. I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm surprised, it, especially with the Academy, it couldn't have made a, out of a five list anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I mentioned uh, at the website, and I, uh, I'm just going to say it again, apparently it's going to be motion capture. You don't really have a chance because not one of the Zemeckis flicks ever was nominated. That's animated film. I don't know. I was looking at before the nominations came out, the odds on which one's getting nominated in uh, Adventures of Tintin and Rango were the two that were always listed at the top. Yeah, well, actually, and, you took the words right it, out of my mouth with the mocap thing, it, because motion capture, it seems kind of screwed. I mean, they can't get normal nominations because it doesn't feel quite like acting, and I don't know if they can get uh, animated nominations because it doesn't feel quite like animation. Is it just No Man's Land? Could be. I right mean, now, anyway. Point, yeah. I mean, I this mean, is... I, I, we didn't talk about circus and supporting uh, actor, but, I mean, I know that lots of people who love, you know, his performance as uh, Gollum and his performance here in the Planet of the Apes, and uh, he just, you know doesn't have the cachet it does whether it should or shouldn't whether mm-hmm. it's not fair it's kind of beside the point the the fact is in hollywood they do not consider that acting in the same way after putting the effects on afterwards and i know it's very sophisticated now i know they've got yeah. you know sensors on every part of the face so when that monkey you know makes that face circus was, I, I understand yeah. all that they understand that intellectually they're just not going to put that in the same class as acting yeah. yet. I mean, it's I don't think you'll ever see, you know, there was lots of talk, you know, uh, Robin Williams for Aladdin, you know, over the years, right. yeah. when will a, a, a voice performance. It's just not going to happen. It's yeah. not. Until it becomes the norm and, the, and like 70% of all movies have it, <laughs> right, it's right, right, not right. going to happen. When it becomes, it was still just a specialized thing for genre movies, it's never going to yeah. get that cachet. It just won't. Well, that's what bugs me, though, is that that makes sense to me, and that's reasonable to me, and I, I can understand how people could disagree about it and everything. But I don't get why the opposite is also true, where it gets less credit also on the technical side. It feels like it's there's some tension there. They're saying it's not good enough to be this, and it's not good enough to be that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I didn't look it up myself, but I heard, and it, you know, it could be just wrong, but somebody said on another site I was on that they had something in the bylaws about that they added for animation that motion capture doesn't qualify. I don't know really? if that's true. I haven't read through the Oscar bylaws on animation, but... Uh, I would think yeah. that would have come out by now. Uh, I would think, Especially but... now that they're talking about the quote-unquote snub. If, you know, it wouldn't be a snub if they, weren't, uh, if they didn't yeah. qualify. Although maybe just nobody looked it up because, you know, yeah. if you read the Oscar bylaws... It's, Let's assume it's, I have it. <laughs> it's really boring. I think yeah. my copy of the Oscar bylaws, I think, is in my golf bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. mine's dog-eared. What are you talking about? Mine's, I need a new one. Um, well, I guess the problem with Tintin, then, is that it's not a good test case. If it's not a good movie to begin with, you know, you right. need a really I, great I, I mocap. Think I think that's the big problem with it. I mean, it had, it had Spielberg and uh, behind it, and it had this, you know, literary history. And, you know, for me, personally, I think it, and I think a lot of people felt the same way, judging by the box office and some of the critical reaction, it's just not that good a movie. So mm-hmm. when one of these comes around that is universally loved, then we'll see what happens. Then we'll see. And there'll be a lot of pressure on them. And then we'll know for sure whether or not they're, it's being penalized for that, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on to uh, best score. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about this. Uh, John Williams is nominated twice. 
Um, I, I always expect that, or at least I always hope, that when someone wins in that kind of situation, they'll thank themselves when they praise the other nominees. Um, I know the only person I can remember doing that off the top of my head is uh, Jim Carrey during the MTV Music Awards a number of years back, where he, in typical Jim Carrey fashion, he went all out and quote-unquote played both versions of himself, one on stage, and then he would walk off down the steps and answer himself and go back up, and it was a whole big production because it's Jim Carrey. Uh, I don't recall any kind of jokes about that sort of thing uh, in the Oscars, but I'm waiting for it one of these days. Yeah, you don't see too much levity. I mean, everyone kind of thinks, oh, if I get up there, I'll be the irreverent one, and then... Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in that moment, <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. happen very often. Now, I, mean, I guess usually is... Jack Nicholson is, is staring at you, you know, 20 feet away, and there's George Clooney, and there's Martin yeah. Scorsese, and you all of a sudden you don't want to be an asshole. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to be in, a, I'm going to be in a montage when they do these 10 years from now of people saying thank you. Right. And, and I if just... I act like an idiot, maybe Martin Scorsese won't talk to me at the po- at the party <laughs> afterwards. But if I yeah. walk up to him with my Oscar, and he says, Oh yeah, you're that guy who won for best sound mixing. Maybe he'll talk to me. <laughs> but not if I'm the guy who dropped trowel and talked with his butt. You know, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, now, I assume this is like best cinematography and that there's not a whole lot of correlation between what wins the major awards and what wins something like this. It's it's a little more isolated? Uh, uh, for, for score? Yeah, for score. Yeah, I think that one tends to a lot of times get attached to whatever you're voting for picture. If, oh, it does? If, okay. if it's nominated. I mean, I, I think that tends to historically, you know, oh, well, it's obviously had a great score. It's the best movie. I mean, it, right. you know, all things being equal, if I'm voting for this picture, I think that happens a lot. Well, particularly a silent film, so uh, I, I'm going to mess this up. Ludovic Borse for the yeah. artist? Yeah, I think. well, I think that happens with a lot of the, you know, technical categories is, you know, if they're not aficionados, like you're not for cinematography, I mean, not probably a lot of the actors aren't either. Mm-hmm. When it gets it's to safe. some of the technical categories, they might say, well, you know, I don't really know the difference between these five, but I right. know I like the artist. I know yeah. I'm voting for artist for best picture and best director. It had a lot of music in it. I like the score. I guess that's the best score. Well, it's like, it's like the, uh, the thank you speeches. It's, hey, just don't embarrass myself. This is a safe right. choice. Now, has there ever been any serious discussion about at least, obviously you don't want to reveal specific votes because there could be a lot of animosity and you know, that's not a good idea at all. But has there ever been any talk about releasing vote totals so we can see by how much each film won? Because i got to be honest, I can't think of a quicker way to make your brain explode than to give you access yeah. to that information that we can ana- we can analyze. Here's the biggest blowout. Here's the closest. Yeah. You know, things like that. That would be fascinating. Been, I don't think that I, it would be endlessly fascinating for, I mean, certainly for hardcore Oscar fans like us. But even the casual fan, I think, would just be... Oh, yeah. I mean, there would be so many surprises and so many fun things to learn from that. Yeah. I don't think it will ever, ever, ever... Ever do it in any serious way? Because uh, for oh. one thing, you're saying um, you're revealing how little liked one of the nominees was, and nobody right. wants to. Because that might be you one day, or that might be your movie, yeah. or that might be your friend's movie, That's and true. you never want to be the one who got one yeah. percent of the vote. They could reveal if... the top two or three. I mean, they could they could go halfway. I mean, my only thought here, the only reason I bring this up is because you know there's all these stories about how the Oscar telecast gets lower ratings each year, and it's not relevant mm-hmm. anymore. You know, if it gets low enough, they could become desperate here. And uh, try a few yeah. gimmicks. I mean, I think I think the way to do it is to um, kind of do it Rock and Roll Hall of Fame style. Like anything 25 years or older, we can mm. give the results. And so you don't yeah. get that kind of immediate sting of, oh, man, Good last call. year you movie lost by 12 votes. You suck. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. 25 years later, you know, maybe some of those things is gone. And, hey, hey, that was pretty close. Yeah, if some of these if some of these uh, statutes are, are good enough for the federal government and, and classified documents, I would hope they would be good enough for Oscar voting. And you're say, right. It would, I mean, it would be endlessly fascinating. Uh, It'd be so much fun to thing... analyze that data. Oh, boy, it'd be so much great for Oscar yeah. nuts like us. Who oh just, I mean, to, to be able to analyze that data and put it on spreadsheets and find out, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man, that would be fun. 
my Microsoft Excel is quaking in anticipation already. Yeah, um, the only thing I know about that specific question you're talking about, because uh, uh, I'm not going to qualify this as uh, you know hearsay, because this was out of Dan O'Herlihy's own mouth. Uh, he was nominated for Best Actor. It was in 54, the film was, anyway. The Adventures of Robinson Crusoe, a Louis Boonwell film. That was when Marlon Brando won for On the Waterfront. But somehow, I mean, yeah. I, this, is, this is the part I cannot remember, <laughs> but after... After the awards were, uh, you know, announced, and he knew somebody, uh, I don't know if it was Price Waterhouse at the time or uh, Academy or somebody, but he got a look at the list oh, wow. of votes. He got a look at the list wow. of votes, and, he, and he, he said what the order was. He didn't say anything about percentages. Now, maybe, maybe this is to pat himself on the back, because according to himself, he was in this obscure film in Spanish. Right. Uh, and uh, he said he, he was second on the list, that, you know, he beat James Mason for A Star is Born, and he beat Bogart for Kane Mutiny, and I'm, I'm blacking out on who the fifth nominee was right now. But, you know, Marlon Brando first, and he, he was second. And that's the only time I've ever heard anybody say anything about it. I wish I could figure out where I saw that from. I think it was, it might have been The Adventures of Robinson Crusoe DVD, because I think I did rent that once. See, uh, I've watched that movie a few times, but I taped it off of one of my local Spanish language stations and watched it without <laughs> subtitles. Yeah. Because oh. I, I could pretty much understand it. Nice. I just had to fast forward during the commercials. But yeah, that's where it had to have been. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-rent that DVD and get the story down, or if you if you care about it. Uh, yeah, I don't no, know how many I would love different to versions out, of that yeah. DVD there are, but <laughs> I mean, I would, you're going to track down this little piece of trivia. Yeah, I, I assume it's, it's fascinating, happened more than though, that, right? It is. <laughs> I assume it's happened more that they just don't talk about. If there's one or two, maybe one guy who's ever said it, I got to assume there's a few more examples of someone knowing someone who hints around. Oh, just so you know, you barely lost. Or that, that was also the '50s. I mean, the Oscars have become much more of an industry and a, a thing since, and I think they, I'm, I think in general, they take it much more seriously. Those kinds of things. Yeah, they. they yeah, I don't yeah. even remember. What was going on in the fifties? I don't. Uh, I don't think it was broadcast in the fifties. I mean, it's not on TV. I mean, the story about the first, you know, Oscars was that it took twenty minutes. They had dinner and they handed them out. Yeah, twenty minutes. That's right. <laughs> I mean, and everybody knew who'd won in advance. Since then, yeah. That's hysterical. That's so far removed from what we've come to be yeah. used to. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, there's pretty much only one other category I want to talk about just briefly, which was Best Foreign Language Film. After that, we get pretty technical. Um, we talked about a separation earlier. This is, I assume this is obvious in the sense that when something uh, is nominated for uh, a, a bigger category, but also nominated among, say, Best Foreign Film or Best Animated Feature or some other subset, if it's, if it's nominated for something quote-unquote higher, it's usually a slam dunk in the quote-unquote lower category. Would you say that's, that's right? No. No? I don't. I don't. Yeah, no. No? Uh, especially, Not, especially the best foreign language. So the fact that it has a nomination for screenplay, you don't really think that factors in much or indicates that they clearly hold it in higher regard? Well, I think it factors in and that the, the yeah. screenwriters hold it in higher regard. But I've been noticing a lot lately, almost every single favorite doesn't win in the best foreign yeah. language film, at least recently. Yeah, it's been an interesting trend the last uh, four or five Oscars. It used to always be kind of the one that was, you know, the Pedro Almodovar, or the one that was kind of the w known brand name, or the one that w did well at Cannes. Relatively that speaking, That was the one yeah. that won the Oscar. And now it's been almost like they're going against that. I don't know if they're doing it intentionally or it's just happening, but it's like there were a couple years there where, uh, because I'd gone to film festival, I had seen four or five of the nominees. And the one that I thought, well, that one's got no chance because that was by far the less, the least of those movies. Mm -hmm. It was the one that won. 
like three years in a row. I'm just like, <laughs> you can't pick it anymore. It's just become, it used, I think, I think what you're saying uh, used to be true, that it used to be kind of the kind of brand name one, the one that everyone recognized, the one everyone had heard before was yeah. the one that usually won. And now it's become uh, picket, hodgepodge, uh, pick okay. it, put it on a dartboard and throw, because there's no way to tell anymore. And mm. maybe separation will be a return back to the old ways. Who knows? But in I, recent years, I think, it's been very unpredictable. I think that is one of the categories where you have to like go through a whole thing, sign in, prove that you've seen all the movies, oh, you know, and they cross-reference it. They don't let right. you even vote. I, I think that's one of the categories. Well, I think that's a documentary, yeah, I think. It's like documentary, yeah. It's, it's, and it's one of those where you have to uh, see it on the Academy of Time and under their rules. You can't so, just... It's not one of the ones that's open. They don't like want people category. voting based on titles, and they and on certain categories, right. they're, they're very sensitive to that, I guess. Right. Okay, so so, so that in that sense. way, maybe less people vote, I guess. That would make right. sense. Less be, people vote for those. Like, like documentary short, there must be you know fifty five people who uh, from the academy who go and watch the academy because you you can't be on a screener you have to go right. to their approved screenings and they have two or three and you have to go and you have to check in and show your credentials all that kind of stuff and I can't believe I mean also that's why it's hard to pick because now yeah. think about it does that's Tom so Cruise idiosyncratic yeah right well does Tom Cruise or Martin Scorsese or George Clooney have time <laughs> to do that. No, they're busy working. They're busy with their family. So who does that in the academy? It's got to be the people who are in their 70s and 80s and 90s and don't work anymore. They're the people who have the time to go and sit and watch those movies when they say to. So you get a weird skew of not only is it a small pool of people anyway because it's just the academy. Now it's a super small pool of the 70 people, the 50 people who saw these documentary shorts when they were told to see the documentary shorts. That makes a lot of sense. Well, the only other category I can think of that's at all interesting, uh, and it's not very, is best visual effects. I know that's a fan favorite. Uh, everyone has, everyone gets to have an opinion about that one at least, uh, for once, because it's the only time you'll hear the words "real steel" on Oscar night, uh, yeah. except to make fun of it. Uh, which, by the way, I thought had pretty good effects. Harry Potter's nominated. I guess it could get a win here just as a sort of compensation. But any any strong feelings here? There's Harry Potter, Hugo, Real Steel, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I guess I would pick, uh, and Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Now I haven't seen Hugo, but I, I know I know you have Holden, and you like it quite a bit. Uh, were there a, were there a good deal of special effects in there? I, I wasn't sure if it was just I assumed I saw the sets and the sets looked beautiful, right. but I wasn't sure how much else there was. Yeah, I mean, there's not uh, they're not you know characters who are special effects like in Planet of the Apes or the Harry Potter movies, but there are. Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a for a Scorsese movie. There's a ton of effects. <laughs> for a Scorsese movie, which is to say, there are five or six shots, maybe. Well, I mean, you know, he started using, uh, you know, computer things with Gangs of New York. So, I mean, Gangs of New York has a lot of, you know, computer work on it, too. But uh, it's it's certainly, it's got impressive, I mean, it could be one of those that, I'm not sure that that's one you have to be, I think that's open to general voting. So, I think this okay. is one of those yeah, yeah. start thinking. Yeah, so this might be one of those where, you know, I really like Hugo. I'm voting for Artist for Picture. I'm not going to vote for Scorsese. Yeah. But, you know, it was a really nice-looking movie, so maybe Hugo gets some votes that it wouldn't because obviously Harry Potter and Transformers and Planet of the Apes are much more involved right. and much more elaborate and much more dependent on their effects, but maybe Hugo gets some nods just because they like the movie. Probably explain this somewhere along the line, but I, it seems to me like every year the best visual effects is three. This year it's five. I, well, and I you said Real Steel looked good. I was looking at Real Steel. I was saying, what the hell is that? 
Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't like the way it looked? No, I didn't even know what the hell it was. Oh, you didn't know what it was. Oh, that's the... Uh, that's yeah, the... Don't, don't let anybody else know that. Cut that part out. Yeah, yeah that, okay. that's, that's fine. This is uh, Hugh Jackman uh, in Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the Tina movie. Sun, the oh, there you go. No, yeah. Ah, yeah. Actually, now I know Mark, what it is. But... Yeah, Mark's actually loosely based on that Twilight Zone episode with uh, yeah. Lee Marvin. From the yeah, yeah, that's ago. what I heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. The title just does not grab me at all. I don't no, get it. Yeah. No, it's terrible. But I will say, i got to give Hugh Jackman credit because that guy will act 110% in any movie you put him in. He takes this movie completely seriously. Yeah. He acts like he's in a period drama. You know, he's he, he he's he's not hamming it up or having fun with it. No, no, no. He's he's doing the custody battle for his son and taking it completely seriously. God bless him. Another guy I'd love to okay. hate, by the way. Well, now I know what it is, at least. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Another category that was odd this year in the number was uh, best song was just two songs. Two songs. Uh, yeah. Right. Weird. Uh, I'm not sure I, how, they're, how they compile that or, or how they determine that but two songs i'm glad one of them is man or muppet which is by yes. far my favorite movie song of the year yeah and i sure as hell hope it wins i'd love to see brett get up there and uh, and uh, and have some fun but well uh, yeah we'll flight of the concords you know represented yeah. on oscar night that's something else yeah and if you i mean i, I hope he brings jermaine as his plus one yeah that's the only uh um Award Muppets got, but if for nobody who people who didn't see the Muppets because they thought it was too silly or too yeah. dated or whatever, the Muppets was one of the most fun movies I saw. I saw it five times. Wow. It's a hell of a lot of fun, and the music is fantastic. There could have been three nominated songs from that. That was probably the best of the three that he wrote. But uh, there are some great songs in there. It's a lot of fun. Wow. I recommend the Muppets. I don't care how old you are. And Kermit got snubbed for Best Actor. Definitely, <laughs> he did as yeah. usual. It's better than mocap. I'm telling you. Thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. It was it was deeply inciting, and uh, we'll have to do this again. Sure, I just want to say, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you in another 32 months. Thanks for listening. Wow them in the end. You got hit. You can have flaws, problems, but wow them in the end. And you've got a hit.